So back in 2020, I, Stephen Schinder, started a podcast called Delayed Replay, recapping and reviewing the latest films. However, it got broadcast into an alternate universe, where those films got delayed and came out differently from how I was describing them. Because of how me and my guests had been describing the films, people in that other universe were saying that this was all an improvised comedy podcast, which, listening back, I can totally get why they believed that. A lot of weird stuff happened in that first year, and I even met my other self from that other universe, who pops in from time to time, for better or worse. And now, in the year 2023, this podcast continues, still recapping and reviewing movies and sometimes some other things that got delayed or cancelled in that other universe. New episode Saturdays, every other week, unless I decide otherwise for some special reason, or whatever. You are listening to Delayed Replay, Season 4. Hey everyone, so this is the Deadpool 3 episode. After the discussion, there will be a review of Blue Beetle, first going into non-spoiler thoughts, then going into spoiler thoughts. So, yeah, that's about a half hour in or so, but yeah, without further delay, on to the show. Hello, listen- oh, hang on, it's kinda echoey. Uh, I might just leave that in. <laughs> Alright. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap and review movies that got delayed in that other universe but came out on time in our universe. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Schinder, and joining me once again for another fun episode, this time to talk about Deadpool 3, it's Mr. Multiverse. How's it going? Uh, we're doing good here. We are, we are here. We are existing. Yeah, you know, just existing, breathing, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, to start off, what are your experiences with Deadpool? Like, the character, the IP, like, all that fun stuff? Well, for starters, on YouTube, I, for the longest time, I called myself Deadpoolzilla. If that can, um, and I wasn't a Deadpool fan, it just came to me and it just sounded cool. Yeah, like, I've noticed that in the URL for your YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yeah, I, um, I had that name for since 2009, I believe. So, yeah. Um, I basically have been... Uh, I've kept that name, but I wasn't the biggest Deadpool fan. Now, Deadpool's a fun character, but I will admit that, like, I can only take him in small doses. As for the movies, I think they're some of the best superhero movies out there. They're fun. They're they've got some great writing, and it's one of the few times I uh, I cried watching Deadpool two. And you know which scene I'm talking about. Well, I got into Deadpool was actually through the 2006 Marvel Ultimate Alliance video game. Did you ever play that? Uh, yeah, I did. That was my first introduction to Deadpool as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, he kind of sounded like a. Uh... Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles to me in that specifically the like 2003 version and I thought he was a fun character I liked how he was breaking the fourth wall and 
kind of like my first impression was that he kind of looks like Spider-Man, but he's not. And then I later learned that he's supposed to be like Deathstroke, but funny, basically. Um, you know who voiced Deadpool in that game? Who? John Kashir, who you know best as the voice of the Crypt Keeper in Tales from the Crypt. Oh, okay. It's been forever since I've watched that. Uh, did you ever play the Deadpool video game? Uh, I did, yeah. How was that? Not great. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember his voice in that one sounded so different compared to Ultimate Alliance. He sounded more like Raphael, so it, it was kind of jarring to me seeing the commercials for that. Yeah. Well, that one was done by Nolan North, and he has voiced Raphael, so... Oh, okay, so that makes sense. Did he also voice him in Hulk Versus, or was that someone else? No, that was Nolan North. Okay, yeah, Hulk Versus was excellent. Um, And, of course, obviously, there was the X-Men Origins Wolverine depiction, which really liked the character. Um, But then, eventually, they righted the wrongs, and Ryan Reynolds got his chance again after they someone leaked the test footage and then lo and behold we got two movies and then the christmas edit of the second movie uh, did you ever watch that chris that once upon a deadpool edit um i only watched it once and like 10 minutes into the movie i figured out oh i see what's going on here they're trying to test the waters to see if a pg-13 deadpool is marketable yeah, that sounds about right. I, I haven't seen it. Was it any good, or did it feel kind of, di- like, watered down? It was basically diluted. There was some fun stuff between, because uh, I, I feel like it was unscripted between him and Fred, between Ryan Reynolds and Fred Savage. But other than that, no, it's just a watered-down version of the of the second film. Oh, okay. Now I don't feel bad about not seeing that one in the theater. <laughs> the fred savage parts just just go on youtube okay fair enough uh but now we have deadpool 3 which like when this was announced like there was that teaser where ryan reynolds is like hey hugh you want to play wolverine again and like the internet just went nuts like what was your reaction i was like oh and that was kind of it i was like oh that's really cool um, and it, but it was more cool to see Hugh Jackman in the blue and yellow costume because we've been begging for that since, I don't know, X-Men 1? Yeah. <laughs> personally, I kind of dig the brown and tan Wolverine costume more than the yellow and blue. That's just me. Oh, yeah. I mean, in this movie, they have like a like a fashion sequence where Deadpool makes Wolverine go do like a fashion show thing and he goes through the different costumes. So, you know, par for the course for the humor of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, the fashion scene was just having him in the brown and tan, having him in the Weapon X costume, uh, which is the just cords and wires and whatnot with the thing on his head, with the, with the scanner on his head. It was a nice little reference to every little X Wolverine thing, and I love in the moment where it's like, "Come on, Wolverine! Come on, he- like, come on, Logan! You're only going to be in this one movie. Come, uh, like, we got to make every costume count." Yeah, I also thought it was funny how before he actually gets Wolverine, he tries getting Hugh Jackman, the actor himself, to pretend to be Wolverine. He's like, "Come on, you know how to play this character," and he's like 
bringing him around on an adventure before Wolverine himself actually shows up. Like, that was really meta. Yeah. Um, that was fun. And he's like, I'm not... And he's like, what do you want me to do? Call Ryan Reynolds next? Yeah. <laughs> I think the jokes do land here, um, even though there isn't a lot of clear improvisation from Ryan Reynolds this time around. Like, I will say that the movie does have enough humor to move along with it and i think it's that's mostly because the director from oh what was that movie he did with ryan reynolds um uh it was that video game movie oh free guy free guy yeah thank you i was about to say no guy one guy i was like it's it's some guy yeah (laughs) and he even like still has like this is a weird thing about our version of Deadpool 3 is that not only does it reference things that happened in MCU movies in our universe, but it also references the MCU movies of that other universe, like events that happened in those movies. And it's like, wait a minute, are, what's going to happen after this movie? Are things going to shift directions or what? So it was kind of weird. But yeah, in this movie, he still has Captain America's shield and... Like, at one point, he has a Hulk hand, just like in that other version of Free Guy. So, it gets really weird, like, the crossover, like, referencing both universes. Yeah. I will say that it was interesting to make the TVA the big villain, or quote-unquote villain, of the movie. Um, for the TVA from Loki. Um, I, I, um... I like the theme of it, like, you know, the Fox universe is an alternate timeline that's trying to be trimmed. And it's not just, you know, Wade and Logan trying to stop them, but it's like, it's, and I don't know if we should, if we should mention this right now, but like, it's everybody from the Fox Marvel movies. Yeah, like the Time Variance Authority, you know, in 2018, it was a very happy accident that Deadpool 2 ended with that time travel sequence. And, you know, lots of Marvel things were heading that way around that time, too. Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Runaways, uh, The Gifted was going to, Legion eventually did. It was really weird. But, yeah, the TVA, like, it's very much a happy accident that they were able to tie this into that. Like, And they even used Deadpool to explain some of the continuity errors in the Fox X-Men movies. It's like just to kind of hand wave things away and he even like shoots antonio banderas's villain character from new mutants as a way of closure he's like okay new mutants is resolved so in a funny way trying to be like oh yeah everything in the fox movies is resolved now it all makes perfect sense but really it's just hand waving away everything yeah because he's like Where you? And he's, i even love the moments like but wait didn't you no 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 we don't have the box office numbers to continue those. Right, yeah. So now Deadpool and Wolverine are pretty much on the run from the TVA, and uh, they go on this road trip. Uh, what'd you think of like where this road trip went? It was. Um, I thought it was pretty fun to see, just because again, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman are friends, so it's not. They really have some great chemistry to play off of each other. Um, I think the fights they get into between each other and the other members of the TVA is really fun, is really uh, well coordinated. I do like the fact that like um, the 
these characters feel like, you know, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds have got the characters down to a T, so it really does feel like you're seeing banter or arguments between the two characters. Yeah, and because they use the multiverse stuff to, like, tie everything in, we actually finally get to see Hugh Jackman's Wolverine fight the Hulk. What'd you think of that fight sequence? Yeah, I really liked it. You know what was crazy? I, when they were introducing the Hulk, I was like, how much you bet it's going to be Eric Bana? And lo and behold, it's Eric Bana Hulk. Yeah, that was, like, totally unexpected. And... I to say, he still looks like a trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, that was absolutely bonkers, but I still loved how, like, you know, it's the whole, um, like, I, I just love how bonkers it looked. Like, in any other Marvel movie, I would have been like, that doesn't look good, but for this Deadpool movie, like, it just feels right somehow. Yeah. Um, and it gave us something we wanted to see, a Hulk Wolverine fight. Um, which I think everyone and their mother has wanted to see um, those two clash on, on the big screen. And Deadpool is even like sitting back and he's like, I'm just going to let this play out and, you know, let you guys enjoy this. And then he pushes the camera to look back at the fight. Yeah, and basically recreates the panels from that original comic. And he's basically providing commentary, being like, oh, look, it looks exactly like that page or whatever. And it's like, okay, I see what you're doing, Deadpool. Yeah. I especially love the moment during the Hulk Wolverine fight where um, it's actually a famous cover, you've probably seen it, of Wolverine's guy's claws out, you see Hulk's reflection in the claws. Oh, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Like, the claws... Sometimes the claws have looked kind of dodgy in the movies, but here they looked very real, and the reflection looked so good. Yeah. There's also, when we're talking about cameos, there's also some underappreciated ones. Um, Like, there's a time where Wade and Logan are in the TVA, and they're locked away, and there's this older version of, they're supposed to be old man Logan, but it's actually Carl Dodd, the voice of Wolverine from the 90s cartoons. Oh yeah, that was really cool. When I first heard that voice, I was like, wait, that can't be. Oh, it's Carl Dodd, and he's old man Logan. Yeah, and then Deadpool looks at the audience, and he's like, be sure to watch X-Men 97 when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, he was like, what are you crying about, Carl? You have another show. Yeah. And while we're talking about, like, variations of the characters, we also see... um the version of Deadpool from the Donald Glover TV show that went nowhere. What'd you think of that cameo? I was like, that's a deep cut because that was a canceled show. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was also a cameo of the Deadpool from, uh, from our Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, I forgot that. He actually looks like a video game character. He's like, we, I love the moment where like Wade and, and Logan are being escorted, seeing all these little cameos of variants, and he's like, what, are we trying to outdo Sp- into the Spider-Verse? Good luck. Yeah, and they even throw Kidpool in there, uh, played by that one actor everyone won't play in. Yeah. All in all, um, I, I usually am kind of like, okay, you can only do so many cameos, and I appreciate it, but like, it does get a little annoying. But here, it's just like when um, Into the Spider-Verse did it, where it helped tell the story. Yeah, like I've said on recent episodes of the show that 
it feels like some movies are relying too much on cameos and nostalgia bait. And there there's definitely some of that in here, but because Deadpool is sort of taking the piss out of it, like poking fun at it, it sort of works. Like I know that the next time anything like this happens in a superhero movie, I'm probably gonna roll my eyes, but here it just feels so right somehow. Yeah. Um here, like you said, it's like taking the piss out of it and that's it's story driven. It's not like here, let me dangle nostalgia in front of you, like jingly keys. Yeah. And another cameo that I thought was very fitting because of the fourth wall breaking was when She Hulk showed up and so uh, basically, she and Deadpool are a duo for a bit. What'd you think of She-Hulk's use in this? Oh, I liked it. Um, I liked the banter between the two. Um, I even loved the, this little moment where, he, where Wade's like, Oh, by the way, thanks for taking the piss out of Tony Stark's death. Now everyone's going to look at that robot and think, everyone's going to watch that scene and go, Hmm, I guess it was for emotional ratings. <laughs> yeah. And there was a moment where Deadpool twerks at the audience and... He's like, oh, I bet you like it when I do it, but not when she does it. What's wrong with you? And yeah, just poking fun at the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm twerking. You guys like it? Be better. (laughs) Um, I even love the moment where she's like, oh, you're going to mansplain to me now? He's like, no, 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 no. Gentle guy talk. Yeah. I I mean, to be fair, like for me, like twerking in general doesn't like. I don't really care for it, but there were some unfair criticisms toward She-Hulk. From, you know, you, you get, like, the toxic fans here and there, and it's just, yeah. So, yeah, they're taking the piss out of it here, too, and just, yeah. Yeah, um, I really like that. We, it is kind of, having said that, though, it was kind of fun to see some of these actors come back, like Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider, um, seeing, because I actually like the cast for, I don't like the movies, but I love the original 2000s Fantastic Four cast, because I was like, that's the perfect cast. Yeah, like the perfect cast from a Goofy movie, which was also a road trip movie. Yeah, but like, I mean, that, but I'm okay, Jessica Alba, not great as Sue, but like, three out of five, four ain't bad. Right, and also the 1994 Fantastic Forecast shows up, which I'm having deja vu. I can't remember if they showed up in anything else we've talked about here, but I guess they just want to like bring everyone back for this. Yeah, it was kind of fun. It was like, ooh, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four for a brief moment. Um, it was also fun to see, like, I, I love those movies, so to see Thomas Jane Punisher and Wesley Snipes Blade. Yeah, and um, also the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Like, they bring in, like, some stuff from, like, the 80s, 90s, and even 70s Marvel's movies. It's just absolutely wild. Yeah, like, you get to see, like, the uh, like the Japanese tokusatsu Spider-Man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> again. Yeah. And even, like, there's a moment where Wade goes, God, how how's the studio paying for all these people? And then he's like, oh, that's right, Disney money. He's <laughs> like, oh yeah, Disney money. Right, and we we even get to see a version of Cable who's played by Stephen Lang, who I, I think could have been a good cast, but I, I was happier when they went with um, 
Josh Brolin, because then you could have that, like, zip it Thanos joke, you know? Yeah, but to see Stephen Lang Cable was kind of like, it was kind of like a dream cast right there. And, he, and even, like, uh, I love the moment where um, Wade is like, oh, man, why did we cast you? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so the film itself is pretty fun. Um, all the blink and you miss it cameos, even the animated voices here and there. It's really fun. Um, the big fight with the TVA at the end, it's a very, it's a very, I love having all those characters together from the Fox Marvel and other Fox properties together, um, united in one big parody of the end game scene. Yeah, like, it, even, like, Wade pulls out, like, a stereo and goes, hit the music, Alan Silvestri. Yeah. <laughs> But like at a certain point, it was very evident that it was gonna try to parody Endgame. So I was like, okay, this is what the movie's gonna be. Well, I really liked the musical scene. You know, Hugh Jackman was able to use his singing muscles again. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. That was a great moment. And uh, Wade's just in the audience, like <laughs> he's sitting there, like <sighs> I knew this was uh, this was worth the extra the bonus signing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's very, it's a double meaning, right? Like, Wade feels like he doesn't belong in general, but also he's not sure if he belongs in, like, this Fox Marvel timeline he's been in or in the Disney Marvel one, and he's, like, really unsure, much like the audience, is unsure how all this multiverse stuff is gonna pan out and, like, will everything converge and somehow work out or... Yeah, like, it gets surprisingly existential for him. Yeah. Where, there's even a moment where, in the in the movie, where the big fight's going on, and Wade has a moment of, like, can we save this universe, and can we, like, protect this, can we protect our universe from getting deleted, or, you know, causing, you know, a big smoking, cam- a big smoking cameo in Secret, Secret Wars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and what's kind of on brand for this is, you know, blur out Kang's face, but you still know that it's Kang, you know? Yeah, and Kang just goes, you know, I can save your universe um, if only you destroyed the TVA, and Wade's like, okay, Secret Wars it is. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, And in doing so, we do get a moment of, like, having all of the world, like, the Fox Marvel world just kind of, like, ripping itself apart, and there are some characters that do get, like, do get um, erased from the timeline, so, like, Thomas Jane Punisher, and um, we do get, uh, well, like, Wesley Snipes Blade also gone, and he's like, sorry, sorry, Wesley, we already had Marsha Shala. Yeah. Oh, and there was also 
Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner's Daredevil and Elektra, they were also in this movie. Oh yeah, they were also erased. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's interesting because most of the X-Men survive it, as well as, um, I, I think most of the Fantastic Four, they kind of leave it open of, of where the Fantastic Four, what happened to the Fantastic Four. But the X-Men definitely survive the whole world ripping apart. Yeah, although they definitely delete the 2015 Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, that thing gets destroyed, and he's like, I don't feel like anyone's gonna miss that. <laughs> but yeah, so Nicholas Cage Ghost Rider, he lives. I remember that. Like he survived. Uh, like his Ghost Rider survived. So it's clearly, obviously, they they don't want to recast these characters because they're too iconic, and they know those fate those characters with those faces are gonna bring bring people back to the seats so i can see why they they left nicholas cage you know ghost rider and you know we don't know what's going to happen with hugh jackman which we'll get into his and hugh jackman's story ending in a bit but like halle berry storm and um all the other actors uh they managed their characters survive so it's like ah so you're not going to (laughs) you're you're not going to like recast any of these guys Right. Like, what'd you think of their explanation for how they'll handle Professor X and Magneto going forward? Um, I do like the fact that, like, they say, like, um, because Magneto and Xavier do end up going, like, dying, but they're like, you know, there's always another version of us out there. Like, there's always going to be, you know, we'll always, you know, we'll always be out there. So there's always another version of us that will find you. Yeah, it's very much like a there is another Skywalker type moment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Wolverine scene is also kind of sad because Wolverine, in order to keep the X-Men alive, he dies and Wade was like trying to... The whole movie we find out that Wade was trying to keep Logan alive because he, he, he knows what happens to him in the future. Like the TVA shows him like you're trying to break Logan from his future timeline yeah like and it's really funny because like he's trying to prevent logan's death in the movie logan but we find out that part of the motivation is that deadpool wants his own death scene in deadpool 2 to be the scene that gets remembered as opposed to wolverine's death scene which got people very emotional like he's very envious and it's so petty and it's so stupid (laughs) it is petty but like at the same time he like reveals that yeah i liked hanging out with logan and i was trying to save him from his own death yeah um but no logan's like you you just gotta you know wade you just gotta let me go (laughs) and wade's whole thing is like i didn't want you know i can't let go of anybody you know right Yeah, it's so weird how some of this feels so set up, like, even from, like, Deadpool 2, when he's trying to keep his, save his, uh, find a way to keep his girlfriend alive after what happened to her, and, like, this felt like an unintentional, natural progression, like, again, like a happy accident where the characterization still fits really well, you know? Yeah, so at the end of it, what's left of the Fox Marvel universe is collected by Kang and we get build up for Secret Wars yeah which is still like a little while away I think but yeah but basically the whole thing is like you know where you know the X-Men what's left of the 
Fox Marvel characters and Wade are like, where are we? And Deadpool's like, somewhere that's going to be take a lot of rewrites to get to. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it pans out, and it's a shard of uh, Battleworld. Now, for those who are out there who don't know what Battleworld is, there's two versions of Battleworld. The first one was in the first Secret Wars in the set in the 80s, 70s, 80s era, um, and that was a big thing created by the Beyonder. The second one was actually created by Doctor Doom when he got the Infinity Gauntlet and tore apart the uh, the, uh, multiverse after the uh, Ultimate and 616 universe collided with each other. So it was more or less like bits of the Marvel multiverse all put together in like a mishmash planet that Doctor Doom ruled over. So this is like just a piece of that multiverse. So now we're seeing the shard of like Kang creating his own battle. Yeah. Like some people in the theater next to me were like cheering because they're like, oh, I know what the thing is. You know, you get those types of fans now and then. Of course. That was the end of the movie. The credit scenes is just uh, like uh, the mid credit scene is just Deadpool doing the robot. He's like, we didn't have anything planned for a mid credit scene. Yeah, he was like, you think Marvel has everything planned? Well, you're wrong. We make it up as we go along. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? We haven't done anything with Eternals yet. <laughs> um, and then the, but at the end credit scene, we do see that Kang is like looking over Battleworld and it's a quick glimpse of him. Um, he's basically looking at all the other He's like looking over the remnants of the TVA and looking at all the Earths that have been created and looking to create, like, rebuild. Like, because we find out that, yeah, the Fox Marvel Earth is the first piece of Battle World and now he's looking to, to put more together. Yeah. So they're very much gearing up for a battle that I guess they're trying to one up Endgame with, like, the scope of a, you know, incorporating multiple ensembles from multiple universes. So. It's going to be interesting to see play out, although I think it's very easy for it to get messy. So I guess we'll see the execution eventually. Yeah. So overall, what would you rate Deadpool 3 and what what's your unit of measurement? I'm going to say it is a solid of uh, eight. Yeah, solid eight. Uh, singing Hugh Jackman's out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I I think for me it's like 8.25 canceled Deadpool shows out of 10. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely like this more than Deadpool 1. I I think I still prefer Deadpool 2 because, you know, Deadpool 2 got more meta. Like, if Deadpool 1 was 21 Jump Street, Deadpool 2 was 22 Jump Street. But... I feel like, you know, I loved some of the meta humor in this third one, but I think I kind of like how a bit simpler and quaint and not too overstuffed Deadpool 2 is, if that makes sense. So, yeah, so, but overall, like, still a good movie and definitely worth watching. And it, it reignites my curiosity of, like, what'll happen next in Marvel. Um, even if the execution it has yet to be judged uh, so far, you know? Yeah. 
All right. So, yeah, I guess that'll do it. Thanks for joining me again, Mr. Multiverse. So where can people find your stuff? Uh, they can find me on Mr. Multiverse over on YouTube. Nice. Yeah, and I'll include my plugs in the edit. And the next episode of this podcast will be on Madam Web. Uh, but without further delay, have a good day. Alright, so that's the Deadpool 3 episode. There are some other cameos we forgot to mention, like Ray Stevenson's Punisher was in this. Uh, y- you know, um, Always Gomb or Not Forgotten. And yeah, there was also... Yeah, in our universe, they filmed that before his passing, so there you go. Uh, there was also, um, what's his name? Shannon Tatum's Gambit appeared, and Deadpool was like, hey, you're not Taylor Kish, and he sort of makes fun of him for his movie not being made, you know, his Gambit solo movie, so, and he's on Battleworld, so I'm kind of curious to see, like, if they use him, or if, yeah, I don't know, um, there, I, I guess he's a result of timeline changes. I don't know. Uh, also, the 80s Howard the Duck was in this, so that was pretty funny. You know, him and Deadpool sort of quipping back and forth for a bit. Um, you might hear some noise. There's, like, some work going on outside. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, very on brand for that show, I guess you could say. Uh, so, I'll do my plugs and then... Uh, the other me will give a review of Blue Beetle. I, I think starting with non-spoilers and going into spoilers. So you can follow me at Steven Schinder on Instagram and Twitter. Steven Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. Oh, also on Threads. I'm still on Threads for some reason. Uh, Letterboxd, Goodreads. The links to those will be in the show notes. Uh, StevenSchinder.com. Uh, find my novels, Standalones and Stepping Stones. So that's the series title. You can find them on Amazon. And you can find me on Yes Shift, a podcast that I do with my dad. It's also a vlog. We talk about Yes, its members. We've even interviewed some members. Uh, we recently interviewed producer Michael Franklin, who's worked with a few Yes members. Uh, more recently, John Anderson's 1000 Hands albums. And you can also uh, find me on, I think I might have plugged this before, but just in case, a question possible answer I guested on the episode about Accepted. That was a really fun discussion for a movie with an absurd premise. You can also find uh, the triple play finale. Uh, I don't remember if I plugged that last time, but it's up now on decorativevegetable.com where we talked about Treasure Planet, Atlantis, and The Princess Bride. Not in that order, uh, but yeah, really glad that's finally out. Uh, so thanks to Dylan and Keon from that podcast, and also Jesse from Question Possible Answer, and Phil as well. He was also in that accepted discussion. Um, oh, also something mentioned in this Deadpool 3 episode. Apparently, so uh, 
Mr. Multiverse said Carl Judd. Apparently in that other universe, the voice actor's name is Cal Judd. So I guess slightly different names in our universes. And you can email Delayed Replay via DelayedReplayPodcast at gmail.com. So your thoughts on pool, you know, billiards, the game, you know, is, is it a dead game or a live game pool? I don't know. All right. Now here's the other me with the review of Blue Beetle. All right. So this is that other Steven. Also, just a heads up. You might hear some work going on outside on my end. Uh, so, yeah, if you hear anything, just roll with it. Uh, so Blue Beetle, uh, watched it several weeks ago, I think a month ago now, whenever it came out opening weekend. And, you know, I did that double feature, like, right after Me to Mayhem, you know, the Ninja Turtles movie, and I ended up enjoying Blue Beetle much more. I'm... My familiarity with Jaime Reyes, you know, the character Blue Beetle, mainly comes from Young Justice, the TV show, and the Batman, the Brave and the Bold TV show. I always thought he had a cool design, you know, the mechanical suit and the scarab that has, like, a symbiotic relationship with him. Um, I think it's done much better here than in the Venom movies, personally. And, yeah, I know some people will compare this to, like, Iron Man and Spider-Man. Like, it really does feel like this movie is DC's own Spider-Man. Like, it very well could be that sort of franchise for them. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Jaime Reyes is different enough to stand apart. In this version, they make him a college graduate, so he's on high school, but I think it still works. You know, he's struggling to find work. Uh, There's some nice family stuff. There's a huge emphasis on family in this movie. And the music that they made for this, I think, is really amazing. Like, it's not your typical bombastic um, superhero movie score. It's kind of, some of it is synth-based, and it feels very moody and atmospheric at points. Uh, The music was done by Bobby Krillick. So, there you go. And, yeah, I think this does a nice job of standing on its own. Like, it's a standalone. It alludes to DC characters. Like, this part isn't a spoiler, but they mention... The Flash, Superman, and Batman, and, like, Central City and Metropolis. But the references are so vague and nonspecific, and we don't see any faces. So this really could fit in any live-action DC universe that has those characters. So I feel like this is probably gonna... Oh, well, I think they've said this, that this is in the DCU, not the DCEU. But it really could fit in either of those universes. My headcanon is that uh, the events of this take place in both universes. And then after the timeline change, like, it still plays out pretty much the same way. Uh, But, yeah, I I 
don't know that the box office for this was enough for them. Uh, let me just see how much did it make. So over here, it made a hundred fifteen point one million against a one hundred four million budget. Oof! So they just barely made back their budget. Um, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I don't know if this will get any sequels, uh, which is a shame because I, I feel like it could be its own series. Like, it'd be cool to see standalone movies like these because I think that's what moviegoers are missing. Like, when a superhero movie is just its own thing and it doesn't focus so much on connections to other movies... Like, I could see them, like, it would be so easy to make standalone Blue Beetle sequels that just follow this film, and maybe they allude to other DC things here and there, or maybe not, just keep it focused on Blue Beetle. And then you have the team-up movies, and Blue Beetle with the same actor and origin and whatever would show up in those, and that's how you know, oh, it's the same universe, but... You don't have to watch one to understand the other so much. Like, I think something of that could work. But anyway, I I'm going to go into spoilers now. So, it surprisingly got very emotional. You know, there's the, the death of Jaime's father, and then later on he goes into... When he's on the verge of death basically it's been weeks since i've seen this so bear with me if i'm not remembering everything correctly but he sees his dad when he's like on the verge and it's this very ethereal dream world looking place and the music is so beautiful here and you know he has a heart to heart with his dad and the way he gets back into the suit it's just it feels so cathartic and triumphant and later on when he's about to beat up the villain and you know he really wants to kill him because of like what happened to his dad but the scarab prevents him from doing this it felt very big hero six and like the antithesis to venom uh, and she shows blue beetle this guy's memories and what happened to him that made him the way he is and it's very tragic and i really like have it felt so and the music really helped too with the drama here and i also love the neon lights of the city and this was also a point where he thought that george lopez you know his uncle uh may have died now when that happened i did not believe for a moment that he was dead well maybe for a second but yeah, like, throughout the movie, I George Lopez was kind of hit and miss with the humor, but by the end, I was sold on him. Uh, like, there were points where it felt kind of annoying and intrusive, but uh, he ended up being fine in the end, both as a character and in terms of his fate. So I was not surprised that he lived, but yeah, I like that Jaime came out being the better person and 
Yeah, I just love the family dynamic in this. And it, I felt so at home because, you know, I'm half Mexican, so I related to some of the things that uh, this particular family was saying and whatnot. So, so just the way that they talk to each other. And, you know, this had great representation. So it, it's a shame that this did not do as well as they had hoped, perhaps. Um, you know, there are there is a mid credit scene that teases at one of the former Blue Beetles, and then the post credit scene is kind of just goofy and whatever. But, um, yeah, like, uh, I have a feeling this could go the Incredible Hulk route, where we don't see, like, full-on sequel movies, but the character pops up in other people's movies. Which, I mean, I would love to see sequels to this movie. Uh, well, I came out feeling like it was an 8.75 out of 10. Uh, it's kind of loud on my end, so I'll repeat that. 8.75 out of 10. Um, th this isn't original, but I'll say Scarabs, because why not? And, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. It's one of i guess one of my favorite live action dc movies of recent years it's very refreshing and yeah i just hope that uh like i i feel like people i don't know if this is just the general audience or the diehards but i feel like some people are just waiting for superman legacy before committing to seeing live action dc movies in the theater and maybe the general audience are just tired of the varying quality, and that's why there isn't as big of a turnout for this one, which is a shame. But yeah, like, go see Blue Beetle. Um, maybe I should have said that before the spoilers, but whatever. Uh, it's a really good movie, and yeah, that's my two cents on it. So without further delay, have a good day.